The following podcast is by Mr. Jim Taylor, elder law and special needs attorney, helping and protecting those who need long-term care. And welcome back, everyone, to Answers for Elders Radio Network. And elder law attorney Jim Kaler and myself, we are talking about long-term care if you need it now. And obviously, there's other resources out there for you to get to. You might be in a situation where you're not sure that you have enough money to provide for you and or your spouse. And so Jim and I are talking about ways in which you can spend down your money to access Medicaid or different types of pension type programs, you know, VA benefits, et cetera. So Jim, welcome back. This has been a really, really good um, uh, half hour so far, and I'm looking forward to the the rest of this topic so just just can before we start we're kind of at the midway can you just give us a like a summary of where what we've talked about so far okay just uh so far we've talked about what financial eligibility looks like for a married couple for medicaid and for va benefits va pension benefits in particular okay but most people call aid in attendance Correct. Okay. Technically, that's not correct. Aid and attendance is an add-on to that and an add-on to some other things, but most people use the term aid and attendance because it's the biggest benefit in that program. Um, and we've talked about some of the ways to be, to make eligibility when to, to spend down right. uh, when you're single, or and, and many of them apply for when you're married, but we haven't talked about some of the specific things that you can do when you're married and your spouse is relatively healthy by comparison, right. and only part of the couple needs long-term care. And we're going to talk that's about we're going that next. now. We're going to talk about that now, are we not? Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Okay, so Jim, if you say your your spouse needs care, you're still in the house. You talked a little bit about uh, down to the hundred and thirty thousand dollars you're allowed to keep for yourself, and if you've got a million dollars, you're paying privately. That's just the way it is. So there's other or ways. Perhaps, perhaps, yeah, perhaps. If you, so if you got us- a million, if you've got a million, you probably have enough income off of that to pay privately forever. Probably, it, it may probably. not grow. You may have to eat into it a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. But let's say you got a quarter of a million. Yeah. You're going to, long-term care is going to wipe you out. It, Even if you're my married. My mom, that's what she out. had. Yep. Okay. When you're paying $10,000 a month, it goes pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So if you've got a married couple, as, as I mentioned before, uh, if you're seeking VA pension, one of you is a veteran and you want to seek VA pension benefit, the, the aid and attendance thing. Um, they'll let the, the couple keep about $130,000. It gets, as I mentioned, it gets really weird with the income, but we'll still stick with that number. Mm-hmm. If for Medicaid purposes, they will allow the healthy spouse to keep up to about $130,000. It's actually a little more than that, but it's not a round number. So let's stick with one thirty. Um, as long as the couple started with at least two sixty. Okay. It's a half, it's a half and half thing. And then there's a bottom number at about $28,000 below which they won't require a half and half. They will let the wealth spouse keep more than half or maybe all of it. Okay. If, if it's 28 or below, they just let the wealth spouse keep all of it. Okay. Right. That's called community spouse. Uh, I'm sorry, the avoidance of spousal impoverishment. Okay. Uh, but everything in between that 28 and the 130, they require them to go half seas. Okay. Uh, with the bottom half being no smaller than 28 and the, and the top half belonging to the well spouse 
being no bigger than about 130. Mm -hmm. So what can we do there? Or if you got over 260, you still have to have a spend down. And remember, you're trying to get to 3,000 in Washington, 2,000 in Ohio, and most states, I think it's 2,000. By the way, California is talking about $130,000. They haven't done it yet, but they're talking about it. Wow. Uh, that, that's the gossip going around, which would put all the older law attorneys in California out of business, probably. Um, sorry, guys. Uh, and uh, But what can you do to spend down when you have a relatively healthy spouse, but you still want to get Medicaid coverage? Uh, and the same thing would apply to VA coverage. You've got more than 130. What can you do? Okay. Uh, so first of all, between sessions, you mentioned, we probably ought to talk about what are resources? What kind of money are we talking about? Mm -hmm. Is it just money in the bank? No. Correct. Okay. we mentioned when we were talking about VA that the, even the house counts if it's got acreage more than two, more than two acres. Right. The house and the two acres it sits on is fine, mm -hmm. but all the other acreage, whether it's a separate parcel or not, counts as resources. Medicaid, at least in most places, doesn't look at it that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they've got other ways to look at it. They may or may not take it apart. So real estate counts. If it's the, if it's the homestead, it may be limited in size, but still the homestead doesn't count. That would be mm -hmm. political suicide to go after people's homes. Uh, so Medicaid doesn't. But you've got rental property. That counts. You've got stocks and bonds. Those count. You've got an IRA. That's a whole different question. That is at least a session by itself because it may be three or four because that's really in flux right now. Okay. Right. What happens that's with retirement? All so the let's not go there. Okay? Yeah. okay. But anything that's not a retirement fund. Okay. Other than you get to keep your house. Uh, even if you're not in it, you can intend to return home. Uh, and now the house doesn't count at least for a while. Okay. Okay. And we're talking initial eligibility right now. We'll talk about what to do after eligibility at some point in the future. Okay. But initial eligibility, if you intend to return home, that's a federal rule. <clears throat> so every state should be following that. Some may not. Ohio didn't used to. Uh, but most states, if you intend to return home, it doesn't count, at least at the time you're trying first to get Medicaid coverage. Okay. Uh, if you're, if it's your home, mm -hmm. even if you're not in it for VA purposes, they still don't count the house in two acres. And at least as I read the current rules, they never count them. So, so the house is exempt. With Medicaid, <laughs> one vehicle is exempt, even if you can't drive, even if you're bed bound. Yep. They just, Medicaid got tired of sorting out who can drive and who can't. So they just said, heck with it. One vehicle. Okay. okay. It can be a mobile home. It can be a VW. Okay. One vehicle. All other vehicles, if you have them, count toward what are, count, what are your resources. Okay. They don't care about your household goods, but if your household goods include a Picasso, yeah, those probably count. Okay. If your household goods include bars of gold as decorations, yeah, then they count. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they don't care about your refrigerator. They don't care about your freezer. They don't care about your dining room table. Okay. Um, they may care later. And we'll talk about what's called Medicaid estate recovery in some future installment. Probably not today. Mm -hmm. uh, but for at initial eligibility, they don't care about that stuff. But stocks, bonds, cash value, life insurance policies, mm -hmm. annuities you can cash out. Remember, outside the IRA now, inside an IRA, a 401k, 403b, SEP, Roth, whatever, ignore that for now. Whole different thing. But anything outside those, uh, life insurance, IRAs, stocks, bonds, muni funds, whatever, those all count. Uh, so if you could cash it in, if you could turn it into cash, if you could sell it, 
to turn into cash to pay for your care, then Medicaid's going to count it other than an okay. IRA, uh, okay. IRA, other retirement funds. Okay. Uh, with those exemptions, the household goods, your personal effects, they're not coming after your wedding ring. Uh, you're not coming after your engagement ring. They may come after, if you've got a $30,000 rock on your finger, they may come after it after you die, but they're not going to come after it while you're alive. Okay. Um, and um, the your home, if you intend to return home, or if you're in it, mm-hmm. or if your spouse is in it, and that one vehicle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Plus, if you have life insurance, and we're seeing fewer and fewer of these, but there are people out there with, with this kind of life insurance, with a face value less than $1,500. One five zero zero fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That's exempt. Uh, never did figure out why it was exempt. Maybe just too small to fuss with. Even if it's got a cash value of ten grand, if its face value is under fifteen hundred, you get to keep one of those. Some states okay. interpret that as you can keep small policies with small face values if they add up to no more than fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. okay, so anything above that fifteen hundred dollars would count. Uh, any policy that puts you over that fifteen hundred dollars would count. Okay, so those are all resources that have to be spent down. So what can you do if you've got a spouse who is staying home and you don't want to burn everything off and you want to take care of the spouse at home? Sure. Okay, uh, still spend on yourself first, the, the dentures, the eyeglasses, things like that, because that's quality of life for the person who needs care. Sure. After that, prepay funerals for both you and your spouse, if you haven't already done it. That's great. Yes, it's not really benefiting the spouse at home, but it is benefiting the family. Um, it is. But if the spouse at home, if the house needs a roof, if the house, if they, if, if the spouse at home wants to update the dining room, mm-hmm. any expenditure, remember expenditures are okay. As long as you're getting value, expenditures on the house are okay mm-hmm. because the spouse is getting remodel the bathroom to make, sure, make it aging in place. Friendly, um, yeah. have the, you know, a curbless shower put in, yep. you know, widen the doorway, anything like that. So if there's anything that needs to be done in the home, if, you know, even if even if the spouse doesn't need them yet, would allow the yes. spouse to stay in the house if, longer. They may if, in the future. Even if the one who needs care isn't in the house currently, right? And it would look like we're doing it. You know, we're widening door mm-hmm. uh, door frames for the one who's in a nursing home. So why are we bothering? It's still allowed because the spouse at home may, may stay yeah. home longer. Right. I once had to help uh, explain to Medicaid that we were buying a new car and putting a new garage door on because my spouse hit the garage door with the car totaled the car and had to replace the garage door and no problem. No problem. Yeah. yeah. We had to turn over the insurance proceeds from mm-hmm. the car, but you know, mm-hmm. it's still way different, you know, absolutely sheltered a lot of value that way. Absolutely. And then finally, this may be state dependent. Okay. Uh, it may not be because in Ohio, we want it big by showing what federal law provided, <clears throat> but your state may not have, have gone through that, uh, transformation yet may not have had its ass handed to it in court um if you've got extra money that has to be spent down you may be able to take that extra money and and i'm again everything everything's money for this purpose okay turn it into cash and buy an annuity that pays to the well spouse oh wow if you buy a medicaid compliant annuity and there are certain rules for that medicaid has to be one of the Interesting. I've never heard of this before. It has to be equal monthly installments. Uh, it cannot be forever. It has to be a fixed time period shorter than the annuitant's life expectancy. Okay. All right. If you meet those, the annuity is income to the spouse, and Medicaid never requires the spouse to throw his or her income in for the one who needs Medicaid coverage. Mm-hmm. So that is a way to, to preserve a whole bunch of assets by turning them into income 
And then once they get back to the, to the mm -hmm. well spouse, now they're wealth again, but belonging right. to the well spouse. Right. Just the same way that if you needed long-term care and your spouse hit the lottery after you run Medicaid coverage, that's all her winnings, no matter yeah. how big. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So in our last, the next segment, we're going to wrap up this conversation. And, you know, this is an important thing for all of us to look at. How do we not only help ourselves, but if you're thinking about a loved one that may be needing care right now, these are some really powerful questions. What I'd like to do in this next segment, Jim, is talk about what kind of questions should you be asking an elder law attorney if you're going to meet with them? And what are the things that you should have be prepared to answer? I think those are really important questions that we go to. And Jim and I will be right back right after this. State of Ohio residents, you have a friend to help you navigate long-term care while protecting your assets. You can reach Jim at www.protectingseniors.com. Or just email him at J-K-O-E-W-L-E-R hyphen A-F-E. That's J-K-O-E-W-L-E-R A-F-E at protectingseniors.com. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond, I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform. <laughs> 